Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, what's up, what's up, what's up? This is Dope Knife. This is Lingua Franca. And we are waiting on reparations. Any day now, right? What are you waiting for is my question, listeners. What are you waiting for? I know the people in California were waiting, and they even got themselves a reparations task force that came out they actually made a decision that they're I, I think they made a decision in cali for their reparation task force it was like uh they're going to limit it only to def- descendants of like free black persons or hold on let me find it and get the actual sure. california's this is uh, per the ap this is california's first in-nation task force on reparations voted Thursday to limit the state compensation to the descendants of free and enslaved black people who were in the U.S. in the 19th century, narrowly rejecting a proposal to include all black people regardless of lineage. The vote was split 5-4, and the hours-long debate was at times testy and emotional near the end. Well, yeah, for sure. What do you think about that? I think that's it. I'd love to see their methodology for, for, for determining lineage because that's the tricky part. Of, that's mm-hmm. like what people, I mean, other than like, oh, we shouldn't have to pay for the sins of our past kind of shit. People are like, well, how do we determine who gets it? And that's why like in my work, because like, like slavery wasn't it. Like continually wealth was like extracted from black people mm-hmm. through labor exploitation, through literal theft of land as we've talked about previously on the show. Um, and so I think Lincoln... That- no, sorry, go ahead. no, go ahead. I'm sorry. So making reparations to things that we do can find the receipts for a little easier. Like, you know, when land is taken from people, mm-hmm. lynchings, um, et cetera, et cetera. Cause like the receipts on that are in your like in your local like libraries, archives and shit. Yeah. So I mean that's interesting. I definitely want to learn more about how they are going about determining you know, that kind of thing. Cause that's just like, I, to me, the missing piece in, in, in like the call for reparations. 
Well, I think a lot of, you know, sometimes in these this, like, modern era and stuff like that, especially, you know, when you, like, add in, like, the, the like, neoliberal sort of, like, view of it and stuff, I think we sometimes lose sight and forget that it's, like, the purpose of things like slavery and Jim Crow, like, there was a like an economic purpose for it you know what i mean like the pur- the purpose wasn't the the purpose wasn't necessarily like racism for the sake of racism it was, it was like you know there was there was like racism for like an economic with an economic goal like in mind and shit like that so the the wealth right. that was abstracted like i i don't even i can't even imagine like how you would even quantify it to like actually come up with like a proper estimation of how much needs to be repaired, I guess. You know what I mean? But I mean, um, economists, economists have calculated it previously. In fact, I could probably, I've written on it a little bit. I could probably pull it up in a second. Um, like calculated the amount of wealth that was taken from, you know, slaves in yeah. terms of labor, unpaid labor. Um, hold on, um, Hamilton was the Institute. Um, do you, do you, while you're looking for it, do you think that um, determinations like this, do you think that they're a cop-out or do you think they're like a way out of repaying or do you think that these are like necessary steps and things that need to be figured out when you're going about well, stuff like this? I mean, definitely in my experience of like fighting for reparations, like I, I found it interesting that like the descendants, the folks from whom like wealth was taken like they asked for very specific things and so when you mentioned this like task force i think like task forcing like um issues is like a way of filtering black demands through like white supremacist mechanisms like because like the government was like founded and mostly run by white people like historically and so like oh well you know we hear you we hear what you're asking for but let's do it our way as a means of becoming comfortable with the outcomes and not just like doing what people have asked you to do granted in our case like you know state law constrains us in various ways so having the input of lawyers etc like and necessary and i'm sure it was true of this case but the fact that like we need our like white attorneys to like say it's okay we need yeah. you know these white voices involved in the process rather than just like listening and doing you know like that's, that's another interesting component of a lot of this work of just like the task forceization of of uh, black demands and in, in task forces acting as like a sieve through which they are strained it seems like they stay wanting to make task force and committees that gotta look at some shit for like 15 years before they can make a decision about whether to act on it. it I get it, it requires like careful deliberation and consideration but like according to whose rules mm. like you know like who is setting up the task force and why, is it because is it is is this a way I mean it's, I've often seen it as a way to delay action also like almost well you know well, yeah, assign, it, yeah. assign it to a committee and that way you can sort of like pass the buck on it instead of yeah I, I definitely you, I think we've talked about that before definitely. yeah you say you did something but you didn't do nothing yeah but, um, so well I mean y'all know y'all know how y'all can always help us with the reparations speaking of you know <laughs> Speaking of, I'm getting ready to go on the road right now, and I know you just got off the road. Yo, Bro, what, what is good with these gas prices? Yo, this shit is insane. Man, and Exxon be making record profits. All these yeah. motherfuckers still making record. All this talk of inflation and like, oh, we're going to have to raise prices when like CEOs are 
just yacht after yacht, just big yachty. You big hear that, ladies yachty. and gentlemen? If if you like uh, of Venmo at Dope Knife, if you want to hear help with the Dope Knife, go on tour, gas fund. At Dope Knife, hit them up, get some. Get it, get it started. Get, get those reparations started. I was doing some little like rap, I was doing some little like rap commissions to like help fund my tour. Oh, word. Yeah, like 10, 20 bucks. All right. Actually, this one dude, this one, I think he's like a history teacher, like middle school or some shit, mm-hmm. commissioned me to do a rap. We actually, now we have to do an episode on this because I did not know about this. Um, a rap about Finaltra um, now, like Union versus Coca Cola, them mm-hmm. alleging that like Coca Cola hired like right wing paramilitaries to kill or- Union organizers. I think it was in Colombia. Um, so I wrote a little rap about that. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I, I'm gonna put that at the end of the show this week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let y'all hear my rap about. Hey. Yeah. Murder, no. Organizers in Colombia. I like the idea about that. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you send me, if you send me something on Venmo, just like in the note, just like say what you want your your custom rap on, and I'll start working on those. I like that idea. That's dope. It's fun. Um, so what we got? What we got today, Ramar? So the, today we're going to be joined by my friend and esteemed colleague, John Jackson. He is the chairman of the DeKalb County Democratic Committee. As folks who may have followed the runoff elections recall, um, DeKalb was very instrumental in bringing home the win for President Biden. And so uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit today about his political journey, what he sees as necessary solutions for the freedom of black people. A lot of what we're talking about now, you know. Mm-hmm. Economic freedom, economic, well, you know, it relates to what we've been talking about here because economic anxieties are so tied to racism. Like, you know, it, the, the dehumanization of black and brown people is mostly to like help create the conditions for capital accumulation for white people. And so we get a little bit into um, economic justice as, as, you know, a critical step in ensuring the full freedom of black people. So we're going to talk about a lot about that. Talk a little bit about the Grammys. Talk a little bit about Amazon. Let's get into it. After All right. We'll be right back. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old <laughs> Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby Award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Today, we are joined by John Jackson, the esteemed John Jackson, CEO, chairman, no, chairman of the DeKalb County Democrats, mover and shaker out here in Georgia, Democratic politics, and beyond, and beyond. We're going to get into a little bit about where we all stand with regards to the Democratic Party these days, et cetera, et cetera, get into some news and stuff. But first, John, how are you today? I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm blessed. Blessed to be here. Blessed to be breathing. What's been the highlight of your week so far? It's Monday, but sad to be something, something so far. Well, you know, I'm, I, uh, been in physical therapy for some injuries and I'm getting a lot stronger, getting a lot better. And I think I'm about to be way better than I was before. Uh, you know, just, just feeling good, feeling better than I have in the past couple months. That's beautiful. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> I guess I guess at this point we kind of got like a somewhat of a loose format for how we start these. But well, yeah, look, yeah. I mean, if you want to start out, just tell us a little bit about yourself. How you get into what you're doing today? What you're doing these days? Also, like your professional life is very interesting. I don't know if you want to speak on that at all, but I'll speak on it all. Yeah, I, I, I can, I'm about full disclosure here. Word, so, word. That's what's up. So tell our listeners, like. Who, who are you? Like, what do you do? My name is John Jackson. I'm the chairman of the DeKalb County Democratic Committee, uh, widely regarded as one of the strongest county parties in the country. Uh, in my day job, I am a consultant um, for big companies, and that's how I pay my bills. I don't love it. Just, <laughs> I, I was uh, wondering, because you be talking about a lot, but I was like... Is this your like passion? I'm not gonna knock if it was, but it's just interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of like I haven't found anything yet that that can pay my bills. So, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm just gonna kind of figure. I'm just gonna kind of do this, and uh, until I can find something that is is, is something I love and, and uh, something that also pays the bills. So, you know, I'm 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 almost 38 years old, still figuring out what I want to be when I grow up. So, okay, no. so, so now I'm really interested now. Okay, so okay, so when you were so, what is it that you would want to do if you could like choose? 
Like, if, if it was I completely wanted, up to you, if you had, like, a genie in a bottle. If it was up to me, um, honestly, and, and I'm already beginning to do some of this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, depend on really anybody, you know? And I've already gone in an entrepreneurial direction, but I want to take that entrepreneurial direction in a different direction where I can, uh, you know, really... You know, help people, but also, uh, you know, pay my bills. It's kind of it's kind of hard to have that balance sometimes of, of being able to really uh, change the world and but also pay your bills. So it's it's tough. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> sometimes you gotta choose. Got to change the world, but you also got to stack that change. I yes. <laughs> uh, see. See what you, I heard what you did there. I heard. What what I did did there. Yeah, nice. rap shit. It's like you yeah. rap. You know. Yeah. So I mean, when I was growing up. I wanted to be an MTV VJ, like on Total Request Live, and they canceled that. So I was like, <laughs> man, I got to come up with a new like career plan. And I've, I've done a lot of different stuff in life, uh, but I'm still figuring it out, you could say. But it, that doesn't bother me. I, I have a, I'm still, I still consider myself purpose driven, even though I haven't found something that pays the bills that I'm passionate about. Yeah, no, I, I definitely know the, the feeling uh, sometimes, um, but it's like you you just have to keep uh, you just have to keep working at it, you know. Like it's, it's, it's things like that. I guess they kind of you can pursue it, or you can do the things that you know are necessary to get there, and you know what I mean, and and let the the chips fall where they where they will, I guess. I definitely identify with that a lot. Cause people ask me all the time, so what's your what's your next move? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. First of all, like my job security is very very precarious as an elected yeah. official. I mean, I could be here, I could be gone in another four years, and just embracing that and not having to like pursue like hypothetical other directions with it. But also, I mean, the other thing is that if you're trying to get ahead financially in this world, you can't be staying in the same job for like. For long, our, you know, our parents' generation, they same job, 30, 40 years, right? But, like, I just had a friend who moved out to Oakland. You know, he does IT and stuff. And, like, the, the university he's working at, they would not pay him what he deserved. He had to go, he had to move across the country to get paid what he was worth. And so there's an inherent in the way that, like, labor exploitation works, which we don't get into a little bit today, I think. Um, like, you just, the, the, the transition, the hustle, the cycles are... It's just, it's just a part of it. Now that we kind of realize how disposable people find us and then trying to find your passion amidst the grind and all that. So I feel that. But I feel I'll that. make a disclaimer though. The very folks who I sign contracts with, who maybe sign my paycheck sometimes, I have no issue speaking out against those institutions and saying those institutions are corrupt, those institutions discriminate against people who look like us, uh, and those institutions are a big part of, uh, of just injustice in this country. And so, you know, at the same time, I am, we live in a capitalist system where if you opt out, you're not, don't have a lot of options but to maybe live off land i don't i don't have a bunch of land i can live off of right now so you know i'm kind of having to opt in but at the same time i'm never going to be so deep in or i've never hoped to be so deep in where if like horrible 
crap is happening, I can't use my voice and mobilize against that and support leaders who uh, want to change that, that system. So you trying to name names? Who are the companies? Companies, <laughs> companies that you work for or that you that you have worked for? Or maybe I mean I I I won't say whether or not I've done work for Wells Fargo, but I, I think that Wells Fargo is in general a shitty institution. And you know, they might call me tomorrow for a six-month engagement. And they don't care that I might have said that because the bottom line is such the bottom line. They will say, Oh, we hired a guy on a six-month contract criticized us on a podcast so we're open-minded we're open-minded we're open-minded and you know that's such an interesting insight because it really is about the bottom line for them it's like I don't care what you said I don't care what you did it's like we talked about last episode like if they would overturn Citizens United and in insider trading in Congress they could be you know on the bang bus on the weekend or whatever like like, I don't care just give us the good and that's kind of like the opposite mentality of Fargo they're like I don't don't care I don't don't care what you do when you're a free time (laughs) balance our books or whatever it is (laughs) yeah it's like as long as we're meeting the shareholder objective John you can say fuck you to our CEO like I don't you need well, so a fucking job. Bring him into the office. Let's let him say it right to their face. Yeah. Well, so like it's obviously now like it definitely seems like you have a certain piece that you found like ha- doing that to pay the bills while your beliefs and your passions might may lie otherwhere. Otherwhere, well, but this like is when how you- I see it. If I listen, I've worked on a lot of political campaigns. And I have been involved in politics a lot. If money was driving my politics, then I wouldn't be very progressive. So it's kind of like I have to compartmentalize. I'm like, okay, I'm going to use capitalism for making money, but I'm going to let my politics be my politics. Be my politics. And there are some consultants out there who can, you know, make good money in the political game and remain true to themselves. But there's a lot who can't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a whole people try to pull on you like, oh, I see you tweeting uh, criticism about Wells Fargo from your iPhone made in China. Like, you know, da 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 Like, we gotta live out here. Like, you gotta make, you gotta make money. That's like pre- the usual uh, conservative, uh, like, criticism of, like, Hollywood celebrities and stuff. It's like, they're telling you about saving the whales but they fly on private jets <laughs> like, like, I mean, like what? I there's a different level to it where like average working folks like I'll let y'all I'll, I'll let everybody down here slide cause like it's shit, it's shit's hard out here if you can afford to be if you skating around on a yacht and accidentally chopping whales up with your rudder or whatever <laughs> cause you rich as hell I, I, I'm not gonna I don't vibe with that as much personally but I'm for speedboats myself, anyways. Yachts are real overrated. <laughs> I'm going to a little kayak. Yeah, nah, I'm scared of water. Dude. I like, I like, I like boats where I can cast my fishing rod from. <laughs> and yachts are a little big for that. Yo, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever, I've never been like fishing, fishing before. Fishing is a is it, it unites all classes, in my opinion. I think it's a. It's an activity of the proletariat globally. And <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, everyone on the food chain eats fish, including fish. 
I shot, I, yeah, no, brother. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I have my mind blown over here. I'm not even. <laughs> <laughs> you need, you need stuff. Yeah, we haven't really talked. I mean, so we've talked a little bit about the divergence between your politics and what you do for money, which I think we could all speak to because we all live, like you said, in the yeah. system, right? So let's get into like your politics. I particularly, I want to start with your journey to where you currently are in politics because you're chairman of the DeKalb County Democrats, you know, DeKalb County went 83% for like Biden uh, in the last, in the presidential election of 2020. But here you are somewhat, I would say, you know, based on my understanding of both the national and like statewide political context, a little more leftward than the average everyday chairman of, a, of, the, of the local Democratic committee. So how would you get, what was your journey to where you are today? It really wasn't supposed to happen. Um, it took years of organizing, years and years and years of grassroots organizing to where the old guard of the Democratic Party in DeKalb and its supporters were outnumbered by new people. Yeah. And these new yeah. people might have been mostly maybe affluent, moderate, neoliberal types, but they were so yearning to win that they were willing to elect a very outspoken kind of leftist, our revolution endorsed person as the chair because they wanted to win. They're like, John's gonna put in 100%. He's gonna make sure that we're funded, that we just get it right. And I think that's what it came down to is between me and an old system where we weren't turning out voters uh, in this county that's 70% non-white and very democratic and just turning the county out can make a difference in, in, in whether the state goes blue or not. Are you telling people that all the time? Like, whoever shows up and shows up with, like, demonstrable conviction, like, will win a lot of the time. Among folks that don't have very strong, like, ideological commitments, and they're like, oh, I'm left-leaning or whatever. Like, out here, like, I see all the time people, like, rock with Republicans that they don't agree ideologically on, like, anything. But it's like, those are the folks that show up and, like, make promises and be coming to the cookouts and shit. And, but, sh- but, like, with conviction, like, yo, I'm here for you and shit. So, I mean, yeah, uh, that's cool that she was able to get in there and show that conviction and kind of take over. So how was your um, leadership in the, the on the county committee sort of shifted... I don't know, but yeah, some of those policy commitments, because like turning voters out is important, but like, you know, if you all have a local platform and how has your, how have your policies that or anything? That's where things have gotten interesting. Um, You know, everybody who's on the current exec team is somebody I asked to run except one person. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, it's a board that was largely encouraged, you know, put there by myself. I mean, the voters of the committee voted the men but they were folks who've been running with me on this grassroots journey. And we've done some things that are unprecedented. We censured Vernon Jones, um, who is someone in the old party in DeKalb County, uh, never, never held accountable. And this was a guy who endorsed George W. Bush. And yeah, for the listeners who might not be familiar with Georgia politics as much, can you explain who Vernon Jones is? Vernon Jones made national news. He's a as as being a state rep, black man uh, who endorsed Trump in 2020, 
And we almost immediately censured him. And we got behind his primary opponent. Wasn't he at the Stop the Steal stuff? He was. He was yeah. def- he's definitely a seditionist. Was Stop the Steal rally? What's that? Did y'all not see that photo of him like crowd surfing? Yeah. Yeah, he was there. Oh, hell no. What? Yeah, I'm about to he, he was. He okay, was there. And... Bruh, oh, God. So we've done a lot of unprecedented things like that. We endorsed in a race, in a municipal race, where it was two Democrats running because one candidate was uh, just not aligned with our values. It was, un- it was an unprecedented move. We fought the state party on it. So I think when you have leadership that shows courage, the whole committee kind of follows behind you. Like we we removed an elections board chair who had been there 25 years. Uh, we've really, we've reformed the board of elections in DeKalb County through our activism. And uh, I think that uh, it, it when you show courage, when you show that you're willing to roll up your sleeves, you're not here just to be seen, it really inspires others who are following you to kind of do the work. And it makes my job so easy because we, I have so many folks on this in this county party who are just anxious to do the work. And it's just my job to make sure that they have all the resources they need and that they're, they're you know, they're ready to go, that we're ready to go. So um, is it is it like more of a situation where like there's a bunch of different circumstances that are just right and the you know just and then the right amount of hard work that makes you guys successful there or is it something that can be duplicated other places in Georgia or even nationwide? I'm going to say this. We have some socioeconomic advantages that other counties don't. And so it's harder to organize a Clayton County because it's more working class. And so the more working class a place gets, the less people have time to volunteer. Mm-hmm. And so county party organizations are, and basically political organizations in general are built off of volunteers. And so you, the more of a working class area you're in, the more your money you're gonna need to raise because you gotta be able to pay folks. Working class people don't have time to give up a Saturday. Yeah. They can't give up a Saturday. They, they can't. And it, it is people of economic privilege, uh, suburbanites, suburban moms, who are generally the ones who have the time to put in all these volunteer hours. Uh, suburban moms of economic means. It's not, it's not your ones, it's not your single suburban moms on a uh, lower middle class salary. Mm-hmm. And so DeKalb County has a lot of that class of people to mobilize a more working class set of people. Right, Whereas you right. base to go out and get the other folks involved. Right. Yeah. We talked a little bit about earlier about like you've been able to do some pretty unprecedented things as through this transformation of your local party. Um, including being a little more discerning about what candidates you get behind, et cetera. Um, so what sorts of, so I think this is an entryway in discussing like policies that animate your political imagination and the work that you do. So 
Um, like what sorts of like, you know, what, how do we get free in your opinion? What sorts of policies do we need to be getting behind and ideally be getting behind in candidates that we can run? I don't know if we're there yet everywhere, but in a place like DeKalb County, maybe. So we still have the trap of falling into these cults of personalities revolving around our skin color. Mm. And uh, it could be a charming black man. It could be like an Obama. It could be a black girl magic politician. But a lot of them still have the same antiquated politics of mm-hmm. people who don't look like us. Mm-hmm. And so real leadership would be exciting the people about things that are going to benefit us. Um, you know, I think so. So in Metro Atlanta, we have a lot of problems with this. So we had it. We have the Gwinnett County has their first African-American woman DA, but she's pushing real hard to prosecute all marijuana crimes. Bro, what? So is that is that black girl magic? If you're taking away, um, you know, maybe half of an income of a, of a, of a, of a black family household because you know they're in jail. That's not that's not black girl magic. And I'm just kind of like we have to we have to. Uh, that's why I think the discourse between black progressives and black neoliberals is incredibly important. In DeKalb County, um, Commissioner Ted Terry was trying to pass uh, some marijuana reform uh, and you know ban marijuana drug testing in DeKalb County for mm-hmm. jobs. And it was black commissioners standing in the way. And I think it's beyond time for, uh, particularly in black politics, for us to have a discussion on a platform where the masses can see, uh, is black liberalism hurting the black community? Um, We get all excited about some of these folks sometimes, but sometimes these folks are embracing some really antiquated thinking that we would call white folks racist for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, one one conversation I like haven't been. I'm like too scared to have still, but I'm, so I'll have it now. Is like you know we all know that not all skin folk are kin folk, but I think that in the sense of what you're talking about, these antiquated policies that are ultimately like continuing, you know, perpetuating the oppression of our people. But like the fact that like not Are we talking about Eric Adams. Am I talking about Eric not today. I've been talking because <laughs> it's terrible. But uh not today. No, so the idea that like maybe sometimes I cannot believe these words are coming out out of my mouth. But sometimes I would prefer like a white leftist candidate that is embracing like what I would regard as transformative politics over like a black neoliberal knowing that like representation for representation's sake is not going to set us free. And the I problem feel like it's a is, highly controversial. I mean like a highly controversial thing. Today, the, the problem I, mean, I agree with you. I'm 100% with you. The problem is is the white leftists don't know how to talk to black people in general. Oh, if they were a little better at it, then they would have more success. Um, but I, I, you know, I would I'm 100% uh, there with you and I think here's the thing we don't have to cancel black neoliberals in fact our best hope 
for Georgia right now is a black neoliberal. Let's just put it, let's put it plain. I love her to death. I will go all out for her. In fact, it's my final mission in democratic politics to make her governor. Um, but I will publicly encourage Stacey. I'm like, Stacey Abrams, you're gonna support the fight for 15. You should. Warnock and Ossoff do. They are also neoliberals, but they support the fight for 15. Like, she she needs to support the fight for 15. She needs to support, um, she, she needs to support marijuana uh, legalization. She'll get some crossover vote on that. I promise you. Yeah, yeah. yeah like and so tons. I think, I think it's okay if we, in a loving way, even push Stacey Abrams to the left. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We can be respectful. We can respect her work and everything she's doing for us. And the fact that she is, 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 has a good chance of being America's first black woman governor. That's, that's amazing. But we also need to push her on the issue. I mean, I think bottom line is at this point in the game, I don't think we can really afford to like fracture the whatever you want to call it, the left side of the spectrum. I don't think it can afford to be like fractured or shrunk any more than it is and stuff like that. So like, I think the tent should be big. I think there's room. I mean, and I don't think point, that'll shrink in the tent. I think. No, no, I'm not, talking, I'm not saying that. You, that's what you're saying. I'm just, I'm just saying, my, my, like, I agree with you. Like, that's generally where I fall on. Is like, I think that there, there shouldn't be. We shouldn't be like canceling like neoliberals or black neoliberals or the, you know, as long as they're not at this point in the game. Like I said, given the stakes, as long as they're not fucking with the Nazis, yo, like, like, then I'm not canceling anybody because like it's just it is too much on the line. To be like, oh, they don't fall in line with X, Y, Z. That you know what I mean? Well, if you want to cancel them, beat them in a primary. That's that's exactly. all I would say. Beat, beat them in the primary. Um, beat them in the primary. Otherwise, it, you know, Stacey's gonna be our nominee for governor. Yeah. She's gonna be the left, not just the Democrats' best bet, but the left's best bet. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's not, you know. Uh, neo-fascist their, their best bet <laughs> and so I think um, I think we owe it to ourselves and to the community to say hey it's okay to be black on purpose in a state if you turn out more black people it won't even be close so <laughs> kind of you gotta phrase it like that don't listen to establishment consultants who not only tell you to be less progressive, but to not go all out for the black community. Yeah. Or for like marginalized communities in general. Like, you know, that that's the purpose of like all of this anti-woke uh, sort of legislation and sentiment that they're trying to build is that 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 ex- that exact effect happens that that they you know uh mainstream democrats stay away from issues that are important to black people or gays or transgenders or women and stuff like that because it's deemed woke you know one thing i oh, want to add oh sorry sorry but oh, one thing i want to add to go back to this like uh this like um i don't know uh thing i posited earlier with regards to like black neoliberalism versus white leftism. I think you're absolutely right. White, these, these little white boys with the long hair don't know how to talk to people. Don't know how to talk to people. And so I think it's like a false choice. Like, oh, which one do you choose from? Because the real problem is that I think 
like the black neoliberal like leadership class generally just doesn't listen to the voices of or uplift the leadership of young black people who I would say are more progressive than ever. You know, they've they've never lived in a world where like fight for 15 and like free like legal weed free weed legal weed and then maybe make it free after that um like has not been a part of the conversation you know like but and yet like when we are expected to like honor the like honor the hierarchy like oh you gotta pay your dues and you have you don't have enough life experience to like know what you're talking about um and those are the same people that are really hard to mobilize and engage around voting in the first place so um we gotta like, oh, like either or. Our only choices are like some quote unquote like Sanders sibling, or you know like somebody that's been in politics for like fifty years. Really, I mean, it comes down to bringing in new folks that got different perspectives because they ain't in here right now. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. 
It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a matter of politics. And uh, sometimes leftists don't understand the, po- the, the power of political persuasion. The Fight for 15 wasn't mainstream on the Democratic side just six years ago. Mm-mm. And now it's become pretty mainstream. It's not even considered that progressive to be for the Fight for 15. And so I think that's how we have to look at it. There are neoliberal folks, there are mainstream liberals who we can get on board with our progressive policies. There there are those who we can get to agree that um, this is the only way forward. And, you know, you have a lot of, like, really wonky, centrist-type people who like to think, well, I just, I like to do the analysis of the policy, blah, blah, blah. And you, you got to remind them, that, well, what about wages not growing with inflation and forever? Like, what about uh, CEO wages growing and but not workers? And I'm, I'm like, like that's that's the policy analysis you should do. <laughs> and so I think that um, there's even there's a class, there is a there is a section of liberals who have an ear to it. They just they're just a little bit more worried than leftists are about the political viability of it. Leftists are like, screw it. This is the only way we're going to make it as as a people Uh, where liberals are like, well, I'm just waiting for the right time. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on some things that are going on then of like happening in the day. So um, Mariah, do you want to talk about the uh, Amazon situation? Well, actually, I have one last question, well, and it might take a while oh, okay. for John, but I know you're very passionate about economic justice. Um, what does that term even mean to you? I think it means righting the wrongs of centuries of economic oppression uh, in this country. And um, certain folks, it's not an oppression Olympics, but certain folks have had more economic oppression than others, particularly the ones who were brought here for free labor. Uh, so you start with that. <laughs> um, you got to right those wrongs and understand this is where liberals mess up. Every other form of inequality is attached to economic inequality. So that's whether that's criminal injustice system, whether that is the uh, inequality in education attached to some screwed up funding formula whether that is healthcare uh, being great on the north side of Atlanta and on the south side, ooh, good luck. Uh, so I think that that can all be kind of, economic justice is like the nucleus of all the policy issues of the left, in my opinion, including, including um, reproductive justice. Because at the end of the day, uh, it's not reproductive justice if only rich white ladies can get abortions. I think, right. I think that's what it. Uh, if, if if you talk to maybe some 
upper middle class folks who are maybe okay with voting for Biden and then voting Republican on the down ballot, Roe v. Wade's not going to impact them being overturned because you know what? They they could still get an abortion if you're of a certain yeah, economic class. Forever. Yeah, they can go out of state if they need to. And so I think that um, just about every issue you can think of, um, you know, like I've seen LGBTQ plus organizations who never address LGBTQ plus poverty or mm-hmm. homelessness or uh, just the lower economic tier of queer folks. They act mm-hmm. as if they're not a thing. And so I think that uh, neoliberalism will sometimes try to erase that. They'll say, well, as long as we get the social liberalism down, we're good. I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. Everything has to be funded. Everything requires yeah. money behind oh. Show me the money. Yes, absolutely. It's not just about like, oh, we are inclusive. Like, you know, these companies and shit trying to do like EI training, da 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 da, about how to like not ask to touch my hair or whatever. But it's like, uh, also just pay your, just pay people more. Just like, where, where, where are you putting, you're not, you're just, you're just putting money into a training and you're not putting any material, not transforming people's material conditions, which oftentimes, make you know create these racial you know gender disparities etc etc put the money in folks hand period i don't care like oh are we hot you know oh we uh you know like just oh we're culturally sensitive yeah i hope your pocketbook is culturally sensitive and maybe all your money i mean yeah i mean like the, the the corporate grift is definitely like one thing but i i don't necessarily think it's in a, as a separate issue, I don't think it's necessarily like misguided to attempt to change the culture when you're attacking something like racism and shit like oh, that. Absolutely. First, like, yeah. It's only part of it, though. Yes, it's exactly. Only it's only part of it. Only, just like with anything, though, it's like if somebody's just doing it and they're like, ah, this is the this is the one step fix all tool, then obviously you're going about it the wrong way because it's you know you would think that that like most people would would understand like it's a bit more complicated an issue than like yo don't touch your co-workers hair you know what i mean i think what's missing from modern liberalism is the fact that you really can't reform all these other systems that that liberalism will try to reform everything before they address economic justice It'll, you'll try to see a criminal justice system reformed. You'll try to see a, a school system reformed. But how can you do that when there's still this disparity in basic resources and it's staggered by skin color so much? And so I think you, they, they skate around it and they don't like being confronted with it, but it's a hard reality that uh, I think it has, to, it has to be addressed. And I think, also, I think we wouldn't have to worry about losing midterms right now if the Biden administration, let's say a reparations bill had passed the House and it got stuck in the Senate and President Biden made a big speech about how it sucks, how it got stuck in the Senate. And this is why we need to expand the majority. I guarantee you, more black folks 
if it was about that, would be coming out for midterms. We wouldn't have to worry about us coming out for midterms if our issues weren't continuously thrown under the bus after we save everyone's asses. And so I think um, it's something to think about. Lack of courage isn't rewarded. And we're playing a risky game now. We're playing a risky game. Not going all out for the people who won us several swing states. (laughs) Yeah, y'all trying to really y'all trying to really stave off fascism? Like y'all better get with it because this is not not gonna work in the long term, y'all. It's not gonna work. No, not not at all. I mean, <laughs> like I said, scared bunny don't make money. You can't. I mean, you you can't talk all of that shit when the chips are on the line and the elections on the line. It's like yo, this is like the most important thing ever we've got to stop this rising fascism the proud boys are coming trump's out of control the republicans are crazy and then when you get in power you're going about this shit like it's not really that serious you know what i mean like you're not even treating anything with the urgency that you were talking just a year ago like that was just a summer ago you know what i'm saying so uh, yeah it's like these motherfuckers don't really want to win i don't well it, it comes down to this it's it's the more it's the diet cola brand of white supremacy and racism (laughs) that is more prevalent amongst liberals it's a diet cola version because it's not culturally acceptable for liberals to be as nasty as the far right so you gotta have to kind of you show a diet cola version by sweeping it under the rug and saying now let's get to the people who really matter, the regular Americans. Words like that are used. And so... Working class. Right. So basically colorblinding the whole situation. That is the liberal version of it. And, you know, it sucks like hell that our people have to choose between fuck you and, oh, I don't have time for you right now. Can I can I get you to expand on that a little bit? Because like something that I find just whether it be with uh, certain like leftist pundits I listen to or even when I'm, you know, interacting with like leftist spaces on Twitter and stuff like that. I find that there tends to be like it, it could just be me personally, but I tend to see like this sort of like economic essentialism from some leftists to where it's like the economic aspect of things is the only thing that matters and don't pay attention. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain colorblind sort of push I find from some people who proclaim leftists as well. Leftists can be a big part of the problem. Um, uh, There's a lot of white leftists who have no clue how to be intersectional and they have just as much problematic white supremacist thinking. It's just in a more progressive form. And it's even, it's like liberals, they have to culturally adjust to what's acceptable. Leftists have to as well. And so you can't, they can't get away with saying what you can say in far right crowds. Mm-hmm. So they try to colorblind everything and say, oh, it's all class. And I'm like, and you can, classes- you can- I'm like it's it's. I would say it's not all class. It's it's class and race. And, and 
you can tell too, like one of the things I say to them is like, man, Medicare for all is super dope. But if you're not even thinking of including black people in it when you're talking about it, then like, am I just supposed to be stupid? <laughs> like, ooh, you said Medicare for all. You know what I mean? Like, nah, like. <laughs> they do be like that sometimes. They do be like that sometimes. Well, at this point, do y'all want to uh, segue into discussing a little bit of what's been going on this week? Get some of your reactions down to. Well, let's uh, to, to, oh, let's get we need to take a break. We need to take a break. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're we right. You're not, right. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. We, 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 we still got to pay these bills. We got to pay these bills. <laughs> we'll be back after the joke. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
big thing I want to talk about this week. Oh, come on. Let me let me get it first. Let me get it first. Please. I, ha- I had something before we went to break. I was about to I was about to ask ask something. I want to we'll get your thoughts, for John. Last. We'll save Please. the best for last. This isn't like the best. I'm not saying mine is the best. Or, or I'm no, just, I'm saying I'm saying had... mine for last because mine oh, okay. is so exciting. Okay, John, I wanted to did did you uh pay attention at all to any of the uh in particular hip hop aspects of the Grammys. Tyler the Creator won best out al- best rap album with his Oh uh, yeah. Yeah yeah. I didn't even realize the Grammys happened. I I heard I didn't know that shit happened until this morning. I'ma be honest, I did not watch the Grammys. I didn't watch it. Yeah, over three over here. Not a single one of us watched the Grammys. <laughs> I I, uh, I heard some great things happen. I had a I had a friend who was there, so I saw some Instagram stories. <laughs> I heard it went better than the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, so wait, um, so who won? So yeah, who well, who won and shit? All right, so on the hip hop end. Um, or hip-hop adjacent type stuff. Tyler, the Creator won Best Rap Album with Call Me If You Get Lost. Mm-hmm. Kanye won Best Rap Song with Jail featuring Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Lil Baby won Best Melodic Rap Performance. Best Melodic Rap Performance is a category that's dope. Um, yeah. With the song Hurricane featuring Kanye West and The Weeknd. It actually sounds like that might just be a way so they can give R&B singers a rap Grammy without saying it's R&B. Best rap performance went to Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar for the song Family Ties. That makes sense. And yeah. Yeah. Those are the main hip-hop related Grammy wins. Did you hear any of those albums? I heard the I Tyler did. joint. I, it was, yeah, it was no, pretty cool. I liked it. Good. I heard, um, I heard Kendrick Lamar and, and Baby Keem. I, I heard, I'm going to be honest, I, I stopped listening to Kanye several years ago. Me, me too. I listen to the old Kanye. I do listen to the old Kanye. But I haven't listened to much new Kanye. Yeah, no, no, same. Uh, uh, unless he shows up, he'll like show up on a random like Chance the Rapper thing. Not really, but like. The feel is there. You can feel Kanye in the music, and you're just like. <laughs> but apparently, so he's, this doesn't count. Apparently, he's doing well now. He's got oligarch money, so he's doing <laughs> something right. Oligarch money. So okay, so here's the, that's interesting, right? Because you know, if I just take a survey of the age range of the three of us right now, me and you, John, are in our like mid to late thirties. Mariah's in her early thirties, so. Why, like, what's going on that none of us just are completely oblivious to the fact that the Grammys took place and we're like, yeah, I heard that one song when we're all talking about the stuff that won. I don't, any of those, like, show, like, award shows, I've never, I've never watched. Hip-hop's a very wide, wide genre. Mm -hmm. And so you can be a hip-hop head, and I'm not a hip-hop head. I listen to a lot of hip-hop, but I'm nothing close to being a hip-hop head. You can be a hip hop head and still not listen to everything. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I honestly, you know, I, I, I guess like I said, I heard the Tyler album, and then I did hear that Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar song. But I mean, definitely the other stuff definitely kind of, 
kind of missed me. And it's it's not like I wasn't listening to a lot of music. I guess this is just, you know what I mean? The the it's just like it's like a particular I guess like like little carving of like all that there is out there that's actually involved with the Grammys that it's like if you're not super in tune to wherever the hell people are getting updated on that stuff are it kind of like it just kind of skips past you by you don't you don't even know that the shit took place it's like john said it's a wormhole i keep falling backwards and forwards in the hip-hop chronology in terms of what i listen to i'll be like i'll just discover like an album from my favorite like like mick jenkins from like 2018 i'm like why was i listening this whole time what the hell (laughs) there's not enough time to also keep to keep up with everything But you know, speaking of winners at the Grammys, you know who else won this week? Amazon Labor Union. Ah! Got that shit. Ah! Everyone, for the listeners, everyone's dancing on camera right now. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and so that's super exciting. Uh, I mean, I am slightly bummed for like my homies down in Bessemer, Alabama, who are. You know, they, they early tallies look like they lost. You know, there's probably going to be some sort of NLRB challenge and try to like get it overturned again. But uh, so I'm a little heartbroken for them because you know I love, love to see the South win. But uh, first, first Am- uh, unionized Amazon warehouse in the country up there in Staten Island. Good so for do them. You know, do you know what some of the things that they're going to be like w- working to, to to change when they? Yeah, man, they're trying to get $30 an hour. Uh, they want um, paid two, three paid breaks, two 30-minute paid breaks, and then an hour for lunch. And they want them to totally, completely stop changing any HR policies like that, um, like between now and when they start to, like, bargain with the union. I mean, yo, it's everything that you said sounds like super reasonable. <laughs> like, but they didn't even it's like, no, they're just coming for what they deserve. Straight up, yeah. we're not, let's not mince words here. Like, literally, this isn't a big deal. Let's just get this done with. Yo, but uh, interesting fact I learned is that uh, Chris Smalls, who's the president of the Amazon Labor Union. Uh, it's a guy that got fired in 2020 for leading a walkout over like their coronavirus policies and like been organizing ever since. So he is a rapper, apparently. Oh, snap. Yeah, he before like in a cool quote former life went on tour with Meek Mill. Nice. I, I did not know that about Chris Small. So that was like, there's a little connection right there. We got to see if he's trying I mean- to it's like we're like Highlanders and shit, you know? It's like we're in all walks of life. You run to somebody, it's like, yo, UMC? Yeah, I, am. I used to. That's see pretty him. dope. <laughs> I, I gotta say, you're, you're, you're leading a labor union in your rap. That's actually really hard. <laughs> I, tell, uh, I tell people all the time, rappers, yeah, and politicians, very similar, very similar types of people. They're very similar skill sets. Only difference is uh, rappers are not the cowards. motivation behind it too. I would like to see mainstream rap infected with uh, a labor union rapper. Like I feel like mainstream rap is more neoliberal than actual neoliberal politics. Like, mainstream <laughs> rap is actually kind of like mainstream American hip hop has got like a lot of at least from an economic standpoint. I think it's got like a lot of right wing. 
sort of shit going I, on. Yeah, right wing is more like it, but you know, neoliberals a gentle way of putting it. Yeah, but like, yeah, exactly. It's a lot of exactly. poor shaming. It's a lot of poverty shaming in mainstream hip hop. And I mean, and, it's like poverty shaming from like it's not even like a superficial like nana nana boo boo sort of way. Like, uh, my car is so much doper than yours. It's like on some philosophical, like, you broke, nigga. You shouldn't be broke. <laughs> it's like, you shouldn't be broke. Only real men are, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't yo, know. like time out. <laughs> like, I, what I is kinda, going on? No, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not into policing art, but I would not mind if that went away. From <laughs> I would not mind if that just went away because it's I live in Atlanta. And in Atlanta, that impacts the actual culture in the streets like i it 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 hits you i'm like whoa no i i agree yo like i it's weird joe it's it's to the point where it's like if you if you just listen to the stuff it's like man i'm not saying this has nothing that does not like a quality judgment you know what i mean this isn't like oh it's whack or whatever i'm talking about like the actual like way that the shit like feels and you know i personally i have these like other political beliefs and shit and they bleed into the art that i consume so there's, yeah there's like certain elements of listening to it where it's like man this is this is not if this didn't have a beat behind it like i wouldn't i'm just wondering how many women who were like born to like working class or poor fathers say broke niggas don't deserve no pussy. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, you didn't you don't, you didn't deserve to be born. <laughs> a lot of mercy. No, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah well, well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing some of your perspective from on the ground. Um, do you want people to, to catch up with you? <laughs> yeah, like, Usually if you do want people to find you, where can they find you? Hey, so like, you can find me on... Just like, to drop, but I'm like, does, does, does John want people to know about you? <laughs> you? I want people to know about it. I want I want people to cancel me over it. I don't care. Let me know. JJ on Twitter, Instagram, John Jackson on Facebook. Yeah, hit me up. He wants all the smoke. All Whoa. of it. <laughs> oh man, well thanks so much again, man. And uh but oh my god, thank you for coming on. This was super fun. Plus I just don't know no get to hang out with you, so it was like good hanging out with you again. <laughs> Yo, so that's my homie John. Appreciate you coming on once again, bruh. Yeah, it was like, fun, man. I think something we can talk more about on the show that we really got into with him was like the reconciliation of like the things that we do for money with mm-hmm. like the fact that we are inherently participant in like a sick and toxic system. I appreciate him as like a, you know, financial analyst working with these big companies that like, he's also outspoken about hating. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, like there's various ways that we like play the game, but like, you know, don't participating in boycotts or avoiding certain companies or participating with certain Yeah. Companies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's something that we both, I wouldn't say struggle with, but it's something. It's a, it's a, it's a reality that we both come to grips with, even with just hosting our podcast and doing the other, you know, and yeah. in accordance with the other things that we do. So, I mean, I one, thing struggle. Gotta, one thing we got to grapple with, like as artists, we are like 
take this with a grain of salt, but we are capitalists and agree to like, I get some money together and buy some t-shirts and then I sell them at more than they're worth um, to get the money. Yeah. And so like I get, I make money by ha- like by having money, you know? Like, you know, I don't know. Stuff like that. It's it's, it's one of those things where it's like what the the idealized, you know, world that you would like to live in butting heads with like the real world that you do live in. It's one of those sort of things, you know, it's like we we all have to play the game because we don't have any other. (laughs) There's no other world for us to live in other than the one. Yeah, I just have to. I have to at this point. Like, it's my career. Like, I don't know what else to do. Well, you know what we also. You know what else we have to do because it's our career? That's spit raps and shit. All right. Let us get a beat, please. Hit it. Oh, you said you're going to kick one of your uh, custom ones during this? Oh, okay. Word. I want to hear this. All right. Yeah, yeah, Joe, drop that. Drop that. Oh. Yeah. Who we be? It's not a rhetorical question. Who we be? Yo, yo, wait on reparations, you better give me my paper. My people in Amazon, they was organizing for labor. The black and brown and the yellow, the gays, we got many flavor. We never crossing the picket line, march in front of the mayor. Hey, we want lunch and a bathroom break. We want more of the cash you make. Y'all been eating too long, that's fat you say. But your shit is built on my back, you break. And cause of y'all greed, now we all stuck. But your shit's a facade, we can see y'all butt. Why be the billionaires that we all trust? Why never fuck with no Elon Musk? A Dope. couple of brave laborers came together under the bandana. They seen out and out to fight for what they owed. For bottling up the coke for a multinational foe. United, we bargained, divided. We slave and staying broke. But coke responded with brutality. Threatening their families, some leaders disappeared and some others were badly beat by fatalities. So the workers took it to the court, seeking justice for tragedies they endured. And still today, they fighting for what they worked in the face of intimidation, even knowing that homies had gotten their lives cut short. Standing up for their rights and sticking it to the bosses, cause the name of the game is always people over profits. Hey, 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 this is Dope Knife. This is Lingua Franca. And you have been listening to Waiting on Reparations. Hurry up. See you next week. Please. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. And I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.